May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. Really glad you're here today because today we're talking about week two of our series, Legends. And today's legend is faith can fix anything. Faith can fix anything. Um, you know, sometimes when I'm writing and preparing uh, sermons, I, honestly, sometimes it like comes really easily. Like I just, it just flows and it's really easy and it's great. Now, there's other times when it's not like that, when it's very difficult. I mean, it just doesn't seem to be coming together. And, you know, when it doesn't come together, I mean, I, I work really hard. At, I have to, you know, repray and rethink and rewrite and redo and change and alter. And sometimes I just got to scrap the whole thing and just start all over again. Well, in getting ready for today, when the message today wasn't coming together, you know, very easily, um, I, I, I thought I might do something totally different. I mean, since today's message is about faith, I thought, I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to pray in faith that God would just send me the sermon over an email. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I just, I just thought, you know, I'm not asking for something big here, God. I mean, I'm not asking you to send me like a million bucks or a new vet or, you know, something huge like that or even something I'd spend on myself. I, I, just, want you, I just want you to send me an email. I mean, and it's not like... You know, I'm going to, you know, spend all this stuff. In fact, when I do sermons, one of my biggest, one of my goal is that I want to speak the words that God wants me to speak. And that's it. So like, what better way to do that than him just email it to me, right? I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And so, um, and, and so I just wanted to do that. I asked and prayed in faith that he do that. In fact, I spent some time, I confessed every single sin I could possibly think of that I've ever committed. Because, I mean, I didn't want anything clogging up the pipeline, you know, between me and him, you know. And I even promised him, if he sent me the email, that I wouldn't share his email address with anybody. I'd just keep it between us. And on Wednesday afternoon, at 2.17 p.m., guess what showed up in my inbox? An email from Pastor Adam. Now, I know he thinks he's God. <laughs> but I didn't get anything from the Lord. He didn't send me any kind of an email. I thought I prayed in faith for heaven's sake. I mean, if he could create the whole universe, I mean, can he send me an email? Right? Okay. Now, I mean, that whole idea about God sending me an email, I mean, we all know. Like, he ain't going to send me an email. I mean, that's laughable, right? That's like, that's borders on ridiculous. But. What about when someone we love gets sick or gets a bad diagnosis? Well, now the stakes are considerably higher. And when we pray in faith and ask God to heal that person, I mean, isn't God obligated to do that if we pray in faith? What about if, uh, you know, you find yourself, if, you know, when people find themselves unemployed, and we pray in faith. Isn't God obligated to that point to provide a job for that person? You know? Or if someone has a wayward child, isn't God at some point in time, and we really pray in faith that God would, would, would rescue that child, that God is obligated to change that child's heart? 
You see, I mean, it's easy and funny when we talk about things like an email, but when the stakes are really high, it's different, isn't it? I mean, if faith can fix anything is really true, then what about all those circumstances? And, and this whole idea of faith can fix anything, there seems to be some support for it in the Bible. Look at the, go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. So this legend seems to have some basis in Scripture. Look at this verse in Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 21. The Bible says this. It says, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree. By the way, Jesus has just cursed the fig tree and it's literally withered on the spot. Um, Not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Well, I mean, it says it right there. I mean, if you believe, and that word believe is the exact same word that is used for faith. They're, they're basically synonymous. It says, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I mean, doesn't seem much clearer than that, does it? But when it comes to real life. You know, most of us have experienced something different, right? I mean, we've had loved ones who have died and not been healed. We know people that have gotten, been unemployed for long periods of time. We know others that have had a wayward child. And despite the most intense praying, not much has changed. And so, when we find ourselves in these situations... Uh, one of two things tends to happen. Either, number one, we feel guilty. We feel guilty because if our prayers didn't work and that person wasn't healed or things didn't change or you know circumstances weren't altered, then somehow we're partially to blame because we just simply didn't pray with enough faith. And so we have guilt that things didn't work out like they should have or like we wanted them to. Or secondly... It tends to wreck people's faith. And it wrecks their faith because if God doesn't answer their prayer that they prayed in faith as best they could, then they're angry or they're mad at God. Or even worse yet, they say, you know what? I prayed in faith and God didn't answer my prayer, so therefore, faith must not even be real. In fact, God's probably not even real. And so either people get mad and angry at God or they just walk away from God entirely. But somehow I think all of us know that faith really can't fix anything. I mean, I think some of us, we, we kind of know that. Because honestly, if it really could fix anything, then uh, no one who has a Christian in their family would ever die. Have you thought about that? There would be no such thing as a Christian funeral. Because as soon as someone in a family that has a Christian in it got sick, that Christian would come, they pray in faith, that person would get well. As soon as they go to the hospital, oh, no problem, I'm going to take care of it. Go to the hospital, pray for them, they walk out. They never die. Okay, well, that's not reality. So what is? So what is the truth behind this legend? Because look, faith is not a skill to master. It is not a good luck charm that protects us from everything. And it is not a magic incantation that fixes every problem. So what is faith? What is faith, and how should I live as a result? Well, here's your first fill-in for the morning, okay? Faith is this. 
Faith is a compass. Faith is a compass. I mean, you know what a compass is, right? You know, it's an instrument that always points north so that you can find your way. Get this. In the same way, faith orients you and me toward God so that we can find our way in life. Let me repeat it. Faith orients us toward God so that we can find our way in life. Okay? It's not a guarantee that everything is going to go smoothly, but it is a guarantee that God will guide you and that he'll be with you the whole way. I want you to look at this passage in Hebrews um, chapter 11. This passage is referred to as the hall of faith. And you know, basically the writer, he goes through many of the most famous Old Testament uh, people in the Old Testament and how they live their life by faith. And then when he gets to the end of the chapter, he goes through a group of nameless people. And I want you to look at what he says. Beginning in verse 36, he says, Some faced jeers and flogging, that's being whipped, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Underline that last phrase. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They, these were all commended for their faith. Circle that last word. They were commended for their faith. Now look, these people, they hardly sound blessed, don't they? I mean, they were in prison, put to death, sawed in two. They were destitute and mistreated. But look at what the Bible says about them. That part I had you underline. The world was not worthy of them. The world wasn't even worthy of them. So think about this. If the purpose of faith was to, you know, fix everything, then we would probably conclude after reading this that these people had no faith at all. Because their faith didn't fix anything. I mean, their lives were a wreck. I mean, everything that could go wrong was going wrong. In fact, we might even conclude that God was mad at these people for letting all this stuff happen to them. But look at the last line, that part I had to circle. These were all commended for their, say it with me, faith. They were commended for their faith. That's right. Their faith didn't fix their problems. In fact, their faith actually made life worse because by pledging allegiance to Christ, they were considered to be traitors to Rome. And so they were heavily persecuted. All because they placed their faith in God. But look, their faith wasn't their good luck charm. Their faith was their compass. It kept them oriented toward God. When everything in their life was going wrong, when everything seemed to be getting worse and not better, when they had every opportunity to lose their faith and to give up on God, it was their faith that kept them oriented toward Christ, toward God, looking towards a greater goal, a greater life in the hereafter. And they say, God, I'm following you no matter what, because the compass of my faith points toward you, and I'm not going to give up. So their faith, it wasn't a lucky rabbit's foot or a good luck charm that protected them from harm. Their faith was a compass. It oriented them toward God and kept them going on God's path. 
So look, faith is a compass. Therefore, it's the second part. Therefore, I should keep my focus on Christ. Faith is a compass. Therefore, I should keep my focus on Christ. See, this legend makes you and I think that faith is a good luck charm, that it protects you against the injustice of the world, but it doesn't. And I mean, honestly, it's never promised to. But what it does do is orient you towards God and help you to follow him, to have a relationship with him, to obey him. But our part of the deal is that we need to keep our focus on him. We need to keep our eyes on him. So let me ask you, would you say for yourself right now that you are primarily focused on God? Are you primarily focused on God? Are you primarily focused on God at your work, at school, in your parenting, in your marriage, in dealing with your in-laws? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not talking about you know, being odd for God, okay? I'm talking about bringing your faith in Christ into every area of your life. I mean, are you constantly looking for opportunities to talk about Christ? with people who don't know him? Are you allowing Christ to dictate um, how you talk to your friends? Where you go with your friends? How you talk about your friends? Are you allowing your faith in Christ to dictate what you listen to in the car? What you watch on TV or at the movies? Are you allowing your faith to filter down into every area of life where you live it because your faith is supposed to act as a compass directing literally your whole life every part of it towards god that's what it's getting at here so let me ask this if someone were writing about you in your life if they were writing about you would they write the world is not worthy of him or her. The world is not worthy because their life so points toward God, toward Christ. Wow, they're amazing. See, that, that's what faith really is. But the Bible says that faith is the second thing. The Bible also says that faith is a shield. It says that faith is a shield. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Second half, verse 16, it says, Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, we don't know what the flaming arrows represent, because honestly, the Bible doesn't clearly tell us. But it would make sense that the shield would protect you from the opposite of what that shield represented, right? And what does the shield represent? It represents your faith, and the opposite of faith, the first thing we think of is doubt, right? So it would make sense that the shield of faith would protect us, you know, from doubt. Uh, And honestly, I don't think the devil would like anything more than for us to begin to doubt, to doubt God, to doubt that he would take care of you, to doubt that he is good, to doubt that he's got a plan for your life, you know, to doubt that, you know, he will provide for you, to doubt that he can answer prayer, to doubt that he's got a good plan for your life, even to doubt that he exists. That I would love for you and I to doubt. But look, faith is a shield. 
faith acts as a a shield when everything is going wrong. Because when everything is going wrong, I can say in faith, I believe that God is still good. That when everything is not going according to plan or to my plan, my faith allows me to say with conviction, God, it's going according to your plan. Your plan is not my plan, but it is going according to your plan. That is my faith. You know, and faith says that, you know, if you decide that you're going to align your finances with God for the very first time in your life, that you're going to tie, that means give God 10% of your income, that you can say with God, with conviction, God, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but in your hands, you make things work out. And you can say that in faith, because your faith is a shield against doubt. When God asks you to step out and trust him. Okay? So, if faith is a shield, that means, therefore, I should not believe my doubts. It means that I should not believe my doubts. By the way, did you know that um, it's not a sin to doubt? There's not a single verse in this entire Bible that says that doubting is a sin. It's not listed. And the truth is, everybody, me included, at some point in time in life, I've had doubts. I heard this saying um, growing up as a kid, and it's always stuck with me, so I've reprinted it there for you in your bulletin. And it goes like this. It's okay to doubt your beliefs. Just don't believe your doubts. It's okay to doubt your beliefs. God is not scared or intimidated by that. He's not afraid of doubt. But he doesn't want us to doubt our beliefs at the end of the day. And our faith acts like a shield that can bring doubt to its knees. Okay, there is a third thing that faith is. that The Bible clearly says that faith is. And that is that faith is a confidence that God has a plan. Faith is a confidence that God has a plan. Let me give you um, the verse in the Bible where faith is actually defined. It's in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So practically speaking, faith is a sense of confidence that God, uh, in God, that everything is working out according to his plan, even though to us, it might seem like everything's just falling apart, okay? Uh, You know, it, it means that, bottom line, if everything that God did makes sense to us, like, it wouldn't be called faith, it would be called strategic planning, Okay? But it's called faith for a reason. Because we don't always understand it. It doesn't always make sense to us. Life doesn't always make sense sense to us. But when things happen that we don't understand, when things aren't working out like we want to, faith basically says, I need to have confidence. Because none of this is taking God by surprise. He's not freaked out by this. He has a plan and it's a good plan i just don't see it all yet and here's the deal if there's anyone in history that would prove that this whole faith can fix anything is really just a legend it's a guy named job there's a guy in the old testament his name is job in case you don't know the story let me just summarize it quickly for you okay job um everything that could go wrong for him goes wrong His servants are killed. 
His house blows down and kills all of his sons, daughters, and all of their families. His livestock is taken off by raiders or they all die. And he breaks out with incredibly painful boils. Everything that could go wrong for this guy is going wrong. And then his wife, who is a faith fixes everything type of person, she comes to him and she says, Hey, Job, you should curse God because he's clearly cursed you. Because if you, because you have lived so good for God that he should be doing good things for you. And so, you know, she basically says that to him. And Job comes back and he says, No, you need to understand that God's goodness is not measured by what happens to me in life. God's goodness is not measured by what happens to me in life. Look what he says in Job chapter 2, verse 10, talking back to his wife. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Yeah, just try that, guys, one day. Just, just go for that. See how that goes down. Uh, that, that's, don't recommend it. Anyway, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. I'm like, Job was saying, God's still got a plan. I mean, he might not know what it is, but he knows that God's in charge and he's got a plan. And incidentally, Job never finds out why all of this stuff happened to him. Now, we as the readers find out that all this stuff happens to Job because Satan came to God and he challenged God by saying that Job's love for you, God, is only because you bless him. You take away all his blessings, he will curse you to your face. And so God allows Job to go, God allows Satan to let, make all these horrible things happen to him. But at the end of the book, Job never finds out that everything he went through was a test. He never finds out. We know as the reader, but Job never knows. All he knows is to believe God is good and I trust him that he has a plan even if I don't know it, understand it, or cannot see it. That's big time. So look, faith is confidence that God has a plan. Therefore, I should accept what I receive from God. Therefore, I should accept what I receive from God. Let me just ask you straight out. When things aren't going like you think they should, do you tend to get on this side, get mad at God? Or do you on this end, accept what God has given? Where do you tend to fall? Honestly, I think most of us would go, well, I'm like somewhere like in the middle. That's where I want to be. What would it take for you to move over to this side? What would it take for you to move over to this place that no matter what happens to you, you would be able to say with confidence, God, I believe that you have a good plan. Even though I don't understand it, I trust it because I trust you. What would it take to get you? I can tell you one way that can get you pretty far over to this side, and that is this, is that while times are good, when you're not under that kind of stress and strain, make a firm decision, be utterly convinced 
that God does have a good plan for your life. And then when things go badly, then you can fall back on that confidence that you have already decided that God is good and he's got a good plan for your life. Even though you don't see it, understand it, or explain it, or it doesn't make any sense, doesn't make any difference. The trust is in God, not in God's performance for you. Makes sense. So what about Matthew 21, 22, where we started? You know, that verse that says, you know, that, you know, bottom line, if you ask for anything with faith, that, you know, God will give it to you. I've reprinted that verse for you there in your bulletin. So what does that verse mean? I mean, what about that verse that says that, you know, if you believe, you can ask for anything and pray that you want to. Here's the key to understanding Matthew 21, 22, and most people miss this. These verses are more about God's power to answer your prayer and less about you getting anything you want through prayer, okay? Look, the point of this whole verse is not to give you and me a blank check that we fill in with our prayer request and that God is then obligated to cash. That is not the point. The point is that since God has the power to wither a fig tree, since God has the power to throw a whole mountain in the sea, then God has the power to pretty much answer anything you ask for in prayer. It's not saying you should ask for anything and then God is now obligated to do it like he's some heavenly vending machine. We all know intuitively that's just not true. And so the verse is really more about talking about God's power to deliver. So will his answer always, will he always answer your prayer the way you want? No. But does he have the power to answer any prayer? Yes. That's what that verse is getting at. So look, this whole idea of, you know, that, Faith can fix anything. It's just a legend. Unfortunately, it passed around a lot. But it's still just a legend. Because it doesn't measure up to what we've experienced in life. It doesn't measure up to what people in the Bible have experienced about God and what, about what faith really is. Because look, faith isn't a skill to master. It's not a good luck charm. It's not a blank check. It's not a magical incant- incantation. Faith is not any of those things. Instead, according to, you know, what the Bible says, faith is a compass that orients you and me toward him. Faith is a shield that can protect us from doubting. And faith is a confidence that God has a good plan for your life and for mine, even when we don't understand it. That's what faith really is. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. On the card and on the notes, I want you to check the next step or steps that you're willing to take. And everybody do this. Because when you fill out a card, we take the time every week. We pray for every person that turns in a card by name. So fill out your card. Okay? Here it is. Number one. I will keep my focus on following Christ instead of on my circumstances. That's basically, my faith is going to be my compass. I'm going to keep my eyes on him, my focus on Christ. Number two, even when I doubt my beliefs, I commit to not believe my doubts. 
I cannot tell you how many times that has helped me through life. Next, I choose to believe that God has a good plan for my life and I won't change that belief when my circumstances change. It's big. Here's one to memorize. Job 2.10. Memorize this verse. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. And you know what? You memorize this. You need to say that when you say these kinds of things that opposites of what we talked about today, you know what? It's just foolish talk. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Awesome. How about this last one? I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Look, although faith can't fix everything, faith can fix the most important thing. The most important thing is that you become forgiven, pardoned for all of your sin. The only way to do that is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done in your past and then promise to follow him from this day forward. There's a sample prayer right underneath these next steps of how to become a Christ follower. Have you ever prayed that prayer before or one like it? If you've never prayed that prayer before, asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and then pledge to following him, you're not a Christ follower yet. And you won't go to heaven when you die, but you can. So if you've never prayed that prayer before, take a few moments, pray it right now, and start a new life in Christ, a life of faith. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Let me pray for everybody as Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I thank you so much, God, that um, for the clarity that you've given us this morning about what faith really is. And uh, for those in the room that have been confused about faith or have heard this legend for years and years and years, God, I'm asking you that you would use faith now, not as a good luck charm or a compass, I mean, or as a um, blank check, but you would use it as a compass to help orient us towards you, a shield to protect us from doubt, and as a confidence that you're good. And that you have good things in store for us, not just in this life, but in the next life as well. So I ask that you would increase the faith of us all and bring us back safely next week. We ask you to do all of this in the strong, good name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.